This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Thursday, April 8, 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here with you, your occasionally humble host for this daily dose of observation, insight, and absurdity. Hoping that you and yours are doing well and that uh, life for you is hunky and dory at the same doggone time. <laughs> it's Thursday, one of those... Uh, one of those ubiquitous ubiquitous filler days which gets no respect. I'm telling you, no respect, you know? And, uh, <laughs> you know, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday gets a lot of respect. But Tuesdays and Thursdays, they just are they're there to fill. And I don't get that. They're poor days. They don't get any recognition. They get no respect, you know? Anyway, <laughs> I hope you're having a good one. And yikes. Whew. Man, I spent so much time sitting right here in this chair yesterday in this studio editing that when I finished, I, I, I departed to my recliner and sat there amazed that my brain actually still functioned. <laughs> I was like that little kid in the far, in the far side comic with the giant head with his hand up. Can I be excused? My brain's full because I was just done. I was just done for the day. My, my wife came home and she tried to carry on a conversation with me and I was just basically in grunt mode. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You married guys, you know what I'm talking about. You love your sweethearts. You love your wife. But when she gets home, she's got to talk about her day. Talk, 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 talk. And some days it's like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Hey, and, and, and if you've learned your lessons, you do your best not to try to solve the problems. You just listen, right? Because trust me for guys, this is so hard because, because guys are fixers. That's what we do. We fix things. I mean, think about it. It's just part of the, the, the web of nature. We fix stuff. We, we break things. We fix things. We that's what we do. And, and our, our ladies come to us with problems and they don't really want the problems to be fixed. They just want to vent and, and they get really hacked off when we try to fix their problems. So, so here I am, I'm, I'm doing my best not to be the fixer. And, and I, all I can do is, mm -hmm, uh -huh, mm -hmm, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm, because my brain won't do anything else. That's just it. I'm so spent. And, and it, what it was, was I'm editing material, a uh, promotional material. And, and there were a hundred and one of these little promotional bits that I had to work on. They're all about 30 seconds long. I were, I, it yesterday. Yeah. And this was after lunch because before lunch I'd been working on other things, but after lunch, a hundred and one different audio pieces that I edited, that I loaded, I trimmed some of them. I had to replace content in. <sighs> wow. I was really glad to get away from this computer. <laughs> this, this little, this little setup. I was so glad to get away from it. And dude, don't get me wrong. I love my little studio. It's, it's a great little studio. It's over the, over the course of time has, has, uh, has acquired some nice stuff and I enjoy working in it, but yesterday, Oh, and you'll get to hear this stuff. You, you, you'll get to hear this stuff at eventually at some point. Um, and I, and I will reveal more about that as the time goes by. Yes. Yes. It is about the side project. It's not a side project. It is the project. 
Oh, man. So what's up for today? There's a lot to talk about. Um, evidence is coming in in Minneapolis in the Floyd trial. And uh, Ann Coulter, who I don't always agree with, but I do appreciate her snark, uh, has an interesting take on that, and I will we'll delve into her snarkiness. Um, Joe Biden is basically redefining some terms, as leftists always do, to ram his agenda down our throats. We'll take a look at that. Ben Shapiro checks in. We'll have a look at what he's had to say, and who knows what else we can get to. But first up, this morning, I was watching uh, some videos on YouTube, and uh, I don't know if you have, I, if you have, congratulations, if you haven't, then one of your assignments for today um, is to check out Smarter Every Day on YouTube. Smarter Every Day. It's an amazing video series hosted by a guy named Dustin Sandlin. He is a, an engineer and a science communicator. He produces this video series called Smarter Every Day on YouTube. And he launched it in 2007. And he, it, it, it's just like, he explores everything from a probe going to explore the sun at the closest we have ever been there to how they get pecans out of trees and pecan orchards. Orchards. It's just everything. He's a guy who will geek out over rocket science and geek out over laminar flow. Okay, look up laminar, L-A-M-I-N-A-R, flow, laminar flow. And, and yes, you have actually seen laminar flow at work and you probably don't even know it. So if you'll look it up, you'll understand. But I've been watching his videos lately. I subscribed to his YouTube channel because he got me hooked. I mean, and I love the way he ends every one of his videos. And it, and that is if this video has earned a subscription from you, please feel free to subscribe. And he that's his that's his perspective he wants to earn your subscription to his videos he's not going to coerce you into it he's not going to say hey help me out here like and subscribe he says hey if i've earned your subscription i appreciate that and i appreciate that attitude but he's talking about he oh, I've, I've, he's talking about this uh, probe going to the sun which had, they launched a couple of years ago and he's He's a, there's a handful of things I've been watching, but one of the things that he did a dive into was, um, the digital community and how we are being presented with a lot of false information online on YouTube, on Twitter and on Facebook. He had, he dedicated three separate ep episodes, one to each platform and explored how we are exposed to false information every day on social media through those platforms. And I have watched the YouTube one and uh, Twitter was, no, I can't remember what's next. I think I, I've actually, I've watched the YouTube video and I have the Twitter one on pause, ready to roll as soon as I can get back to it. Probably at lunch today. That's when I'll watch the next one. And it raised some questions for me and, uh, and an observation. And that is that all of us live online today. We, most all of us, 
And I know, I know there are some of you, maybe you yourself, you know, I'm, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not, I don't do YouTube. I don't do any of that stuff. It's just garbage. Well, good for you. I'm, I'm happy for you. That's your thing. But as a society, as a nation, as, as a people, basically as humanity, most everybody's on social media today. And the reason is that we crave human interaction. We need it. We're social creatures. We want to be around other people. That's why we have friendships. That's why we gather for events. That's why we do things. And there was a time that that need was met by sitting on front porches and waving at our neighbors or, or going to church together or, or getting together and, and having barbecues and eating out and, or going to restaurants or going to, to movies or concerts. Or the, and in the last year, that's been just impossible. But even before that, our lives began taking a turn as technology advanced and we were basically embracing the technology and the technology took our social lives away from us. That's why social media has exploded into what it is. It fills the need for social connection in a way we haven't had for a while due to how technology has isolated us. Also, the very thing which has enabled us to advance has also made it more difficult to remain connected because of how we had to adapt to this tech-centric world. Then we used the technology to develop ways to be connected again. Hence Facebook and then Twitter and other things like that. But this connection is an unnatural, disconnected connection. It's not face-to-face. It's not waving from the front porch. It's not sitting next to each other at church. It's not, it's not you know, it's not any of those things which we actually as as creatures, creations, actually desire because it's wired into us. We actually need it. And this disconnected connectedness has produced a new breed of schoolyard bullies, people who will spew hatefulness at you. They will condemn you and your family. They'll threaten you with all manner of violence because you don't totally agree with their view on something. But unlike actual actual schoolyard bullies, Most of these people would never speak to you this way in person because they're actually cowards hiding behind technology. An offshoot of this digital community is that we're bombarded with information every minute of the day, and much of it is false. Much of it is actually generated by people who are using their online accounts to generate revenue based on the number of clicks their content receives. And when people enthusiastically share that fake news or those fake stories, these fraudsters make money, sometimes a lot of money. And other content is deeply biased for political reasons. You will find news stories, and I'll say this in air quotes, stories, which aren't actually news stories. They are something which was basically created out of whole cloth or just weaved together out of headlines that really has no substance or depth. But it gets shared on social media 
by people every day who agree with the basic thrust of the video or the article. And this is a sad state of affairs because I see this every day on social media because, as you know, I'm, I'm scanning it all the time. Even during the podcast, I'm sc I scan social media during the breaks. And if you're a podcast subscriber, you know you don't get the breaks. But I take little breaks at certain points. So I see a lot of this disinformation. This Some of it is intentional, willful disinformation. I see it every day and people share this stuff. And that's how I've seen it because people online who I know share this information. And they say, they say things like, see, I told you. And then you see this story, which, which your little, your little red lights start flashing and your red flags pop up. And if you have any experience in dealing with this stuff and I'll, I have to be I have to be full disclosure and honest here. From time to time, I will share something like, Gee, look at that, Bing, and I'll share it and not do my due diligence on it. And someone says, oh, yeah, that was disproven by this and that. And oh, golly, why didn't I check? I know better. So people who know better also get duped by this stuff because it aligns with their particular sensibilities. And... I think it's important to learn some lessons from this. One, we need each other. We need each other a lot. And it's not just a preference. It's not just a comfort thing. It's We, we really do need social inter interaction and social connection. We need this. And that social connection is not coming through the apps on your phone. It isn't. That is a very poor substitute for social connection. We need to talk to each other. We need to be face-to-face -face with each other. We need each other and that connection. And when we don't have it, everything begins breaking down. And that's what we're watching happen around us right now. Things are breaking down, and those who want to take advantage of that breakdown are beginning to see succeed in getting what they want. And what they want is for you to be isolated from the other people who will confirm your views on the world so that they can keep leading you around as if you were on a leash. Everyone loves taping their favorite TV shows so they can fast forward through the commercials. What if you could do the same thing with radio commercials? Now you can with Zippy, the audio fast forward player for radio. Just plug your radio into the Zippy unit and press the commercial skip button. In just a few moments, Zippy will automatically... Hey, what are you doing? No, stop. Wait a minute. Don't skip through this commercial. I have to tell you. Pick up the phone and order yours today. You're listening to the Daily Perspective Podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> I need that zippy thing. And by the way, that voice you just heard, not a real person. No, there's services out there online. See, that one... Um, you're listening to the Daily Perspective Podcast. It's a computer-generated voice. You are listening to the Daily Perspective Podcast. Same thing. I, I use those occasionally, and you hear them sometimes on the bump-outs, that just 
Actually, I kind of do it for my own amusement. And as a reminder that not everything that you find online is real. And that applies to the news stories. You've seen them if you've been on YouTube. You've seen the news stories where you uh, you click on it and you start hearing this robotic voice. And after a few words, it's obvious. It is a computer which is reading text. Typos and all. It's reading text. And it's not in when those I hit those and I go, eh, not real. And I and I pass by. And one of the things that we have to develop, you and I, because we need each other, is we need to develop the guardrails that we know when we go beyond those, that everything beyond those guardrails is 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 loony land and we're not going there. And we need to be we need that social connection. And that's one of the horrible things about the whole COVID thing is that there are those who by nature are manipulators and they do so for gain for their own purposes. They understand that separating us, keeping us apart, depriving us of that social connection works to their advantage. Because when we don't have that social connection, all we have is the tech community and the digital connection and we can get a lot of information that is not not necessarily so and when we're deprived of that human connection and it it's more difficult to bounce things off of each other face to face and get a good sense for what's real and what's not we can be deceived and it happens more and more frequently when we aren't connected so we need to be connected and that's essentially what i'm saying we need to be connected Otherwise, we are fooled by many things. And, and we're being fooled. A large number of us are being fooled about the way the police work, about the way the justice system works, about the way society, fairness, equality, all of those things, the way they actually work. They're being fed information in this digital vacuum that they have to rely on. And if they are prone to being manipulated emotionally, then those people, they are going to believe things that are completely untrue because it, 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 it clicks just the right buttons on them emotionally. And we're watching that happen right now in Minneapolis around the Derek Chauvin trial in the death of George Floyd. And uh, I've touched on it a little bit, but we're not, we're not hearing the reality. We're not hearing what's actually coming out of that courtroom. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the news media latched onto it for about a day. Oh, here we go. And they were going to show you all of this stuff. And then now it's not happening. There may be one channel. I think it's CNN headline news. They may be doing that where they've got, they've actually got the video up and people running commentary, but the rest of them have sort of abandoned it. Why? because it doesn't follow the narrative that is being pushed through the digital social networks. It's not happening. Now, to Ann Coulter's article over at AnnCoulter.com, it's called Minneapolis versus the Evidence. Here's what she has to say. Apparently, no one is watching the trial of Derek Carv- uh, Coven, or Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer on trial for the murder of George Floyd. Otherwise... The media couldn't get away with their spectacular lying to the public about how the prosecution is killing it. 
It's quite the opposite. In fact, in less than a week, the prosecution's theory of the crime was subtly shifted from murder to failed to provide what we would say in retrospect would be a full and complete duty of care during the one to three minute interval between Floyd's resisting the police to his dying as a hostile crowd screamed obscenities at the police officers. The defense hasn't even begun to make its case. But the prosecution's witnesses keep helping Chauvin. The only exception to the wild media lying is headline news, where, it turns out I was right, where the lawyer commentators go the extra mile by watching the trial. Week one was chock-a-block with weeping bystanders wailing about how they felt watching Chauvin restrain Floyd. This would be tremendous evidence if the charge against Officer Chauvin were first-degree upsetting bystanders. But that's not the charge. That's not even a crime. One especially distraught witness, Charles McMillan, an elderly black man, testified seeing foam coming out of Floyd's mouth. Quiz. Is foam coming out of the mouth a sign of A, a head wound, B, strangulation, C, a drug overdose? The answer? C, a drug overdose. Apart from that crucial fact, McMillan's evidence only pertained to first-degree upsetting bystanders, which, again, is not a crime. My favorite witness, and the media's favorite, too, was Genevieve Hansen, feminist hero. She appeared in court in her firefighter dress uniform and a belligerent mood, though not as belligerent as the day Floyd died when she showed up in sweats and began shrieking at the officers. The headlines are along the lines of, Firefighter, I could have saved Floyd's life, but police wouldn't let me. Yes, apparently Genevieve would have invented a time machine, gone back and stopped Floyd from, in, from ingesting three times the lethal, lethal dose of fentanyl. I take it back. Chubby girls make the best firefighters. Don't get snippy with me. It's beyond outrageous that fire departments have abandoned all physical fitness requirements solely in order to hire more women. According to Genevieve, the police on the scene unaccountably refused to step aside and take direction from her, despite her full one year of experience as a firefighter. Genevieve was totally on top of the situation. In her statement to investigators shortly after the event, she described Floyd as a small, slim man. Floyd was at least six foot four and weighed 230 pounds. The largest police officer on the scene was Chauvin coming in at five foot nine and 140 pounds. Genevieve missed nothing. Even in the calm setting of a courtroom with no agitated bystanders yelling at her, here are the things Genevieve says she would have done to save Floyd's life. In order, quote, I would have requested additional help. I would have wanted someone to call 911. I would have asked someone to run to the gas station and look for an AED. That's a defibrillator. Why didn't the officers think to call for medical backup? Oh, yeah, they already had. Twice. Starting about ten minutes before Genevieve even showed up. I would have checked his airway. I would have been worried about a spinal cord injury. As we know from the autopsy, there was no problem with Floyd's airway or spinal cord. But as long as you bring it up, his body did contain three times the lethal dose of fentanyl. I would have checked his uh, checked for a pulse. Eureka! Why didn't 
Oh, wait, the officers had done this repeatedly, as several bystander witnesses had already confirmed. By now, Floyd was dead. That's when she would have started chest compressions. So Genevieve, the state's star witness on what the cops did wrong, testified that she would have done pretty much everything the officers did. But she would have been a lot bossier about it. As much as as Genevieve's one year with the fire department made her an expert on when a police officer should begin chest compressions, the Minneapolis Police Department's own experts directly contradicted her this week. These were, again, prosecution witnesses. On Tuesday, Lieutenant Johnny Mercil, the MPD's use of force trainer, and Officer Nicole McKenzie, the MPD's medical support coordin- uh, coordinator, testified, uh, testified that it would be appropriate not to provide care to a suspect who had just been fighting with officers or in the presence of, an, of a hostile crowd. Chauvin had both those circumstances. Trying to do damage control, the prosecutor asked Officer McKenzie to define a hostile crowd. She said, um, a growing contingent of people around, if they're yelling, being even ber- verbally abusive to those trying to provide scene security. Hey, remember those weeping bystanders last week? Their own testament- testimony confirmed that they were yelling at even being verbally abusive to those trying to provide scene security. Donald Williams, for example, the bouncer and MMA hobbyist, admitted to continuously berating the officers, all of which is on tape, calling Chauvin a, let's just say there's a series of names here I can't and will not repeat. And the threat he made, I will not repeat either. And then, of course, there was the lovely Genevieve, the firefighter, screeching, I have your name tag, bitch! Now you know why primetime cable suddenly went back to covering COVID vaccinations. Sliding into the second half of uh, this Thursday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Holy moly. You know, I, let me scroll back to something here. I I understand how the algorithms work on social media. I'm not an expert, but I do know enough. <laughs> let me tell you something. If you click on an ad out of curiosity one time, one time, you will see that ad for the rest of your life unless you actively block it. <laughs> Just between you and me, I don't, I don't care that Chuck Norris doesn't tie his own ties. Okay? Uh, President Joe Biden has a problem, according to the folks at PJ Media. He wants to be a transformational president and has an absurd... Assert, an absurd I actually do talk for a living. An absurdly ambitious far-left agenda. But he has to deal with that pesky Constitution and the fact that Democrats only have razor-thin mar- majorities in the House and Senate. So... In addition to issuing executive orders, how can how can Biden achieve his agenda? Well, he can redefine basic terms in order to grease the skids for progressive change. This is something that we're watching happen every day. And it is a classic leftist move where you use a term to describe something 
that to a thinking person doesn't describe that something. But you use it anyway. One of the most famous is bipartisan support. Bipartisanship. They use that term, bipartisanship, all the time. Yeah, we're hoping for a good bipartisan effort on this. Yes, there was a bipartisan approval of everything we did. Yes, we worked together in a bipartisan fashion in order to make this happen. And generally speaking, bipartisanship means that people of both parties work together to come together to produce through agreements, disagreements, compromises, an end result which benefits everyone. That is a bipartisan effort. In leftist terminology, bipartisanship means if you don't agree with us, then you go sit in that corner with the rest of the people who don't agree, shut up and let us get this done. That's bipartisanship to the left. It means we won and elections have consequences. Shut up. As Barack Obama famously said not long after he was elected. Americans broadly support updating our country's infrastructure. Now, you and I know what the infrastructure is. We know what that means. If you don't, infrastructure is basically highways, bridges, things like that. Uh, it, canals bridge, canals, and, and, and rivers and, and stuff. It's the infrastructure. It is what the nation uses to move things and people around. Infrastructure. We broadly support updating the infrastructure, so why not jam in a bunch of leftist priorities under the infrastructure umbrella? You will call all of these things infrastructure because people will go, oh, that's okay. Senator Kristen Gillibrand of uh, New York, a Democrat, made this Orwellian redefinition of infrastructure explicit yesterday, yesterday morning. She tweeted, paid leave is infrastructure. Child care is infrastructure. Caregiving is infrastructure. And I understand what she's saying. She's saying these come under the umbrella of infrastructure because they are necessar necessary in order to get things done and to move things around and like, but no, no. Senator Ted Cruz also said no. He explained what Gillibrand's tweet really meant. Quote, abortion is infrastructure. Gun control is infrastructure. Forced unionization is infrastructure. Whatever the left wants is infrastructure. You know what's not? Roads and bridges. Only 5% of Biden's infrastructure bill is roads and bridges. <laughs> now, Senator Cruz did use some hyperbole in the statement, but his tweet illustrated the, Demo the Democrats' sleight of hand on the issue. The Oxford Learner's Dictionary defines infrastructure as, quote, the basic systems and services that are necessary for a country or an organization to run smoothly. For example, buildings, transport, and water and power supplies. It's kind of what I said before. Politically, infrastructure refers to basic public goods like roads and bridges. According to New a New York Times analysis, only $115 billion of Biden's two point Two five trillion dollar infrastructure bill will go to roads and bridges. The bill marks eighty billion dollars for passenger and freight railways, twenty five billion dollars for airports, and seventeen billion for waters, waterways, and ports. These traditional infrastructure items add up to a mere ten point five percent of his bill. 
a slightly more expansive definition of infrastructure may include the $66 billion for water systems, the $45 billion to eliminate lead pipes, and the $10 billion for federal buildings. These items, along with the other more traditional infrastructure items, add up to $358 billion, or 15.9% of the bill's cost. Most Americans support a government overhaul of America's roadways, railroads, bridges, and ports, but this represents less than a fifth of the bill. The bill includes green handouts, like $174 billion for electric vehicle incentives, $100 billion for electric grid and clean energy. Some costs to update the grid may be necessary, but the clean energy emphasis carries baggage with it. $46 billion for clean energy manufacturing and $35 billion for climate technology. The bill dedicates $400 billion to in-home care for the elderly and those with, the, with disabilities. That takes up 17.8% of the bill, more than the traditional infrastructure costs. Biden said Wednesday, quote, Now, since I announced this plan, I've heard from my Republican friends. It's too big. They say, why not focus on traditional infrastructure, fix what we've already got, the roads and the highways that exist, and the bridges. I'm happy to have that debate, but let me tell you my view. We are America. We don't just fix for today. We build for tomorrow. 200 years ago, trains weren't traditional infrastructure either until America made a choice to lay down tracks across the country. Highways weren't traditional infrastructure until we allowed ourselves to imagine that roads could connect our nation across state lines. He insisted that infrastructure isn't a static thing. He argued, the idea of infrastructure has always evolved to meet the aspirations of the American people and their needs. It's evolving again today. So what does infrastructure really mean? According to Biden, it boils down to whatever working people need, or rather, whatever the, the Democrats say working people need. He said, we need to start seeing infrastructure through its effect on the lives of working people in America. What is the foundation today that they need to carve out their place in the middle class to make it, to live, to go to work, to raise their families with dignity? to ensure that good jobs will be there for their kids no matter who they are or what zip code they live in. In other words, if Democrats claim that a government program helps working people, that's infrastructure. Perhaps Senator Cruz was being a bit flippant to suggest that Biden would call abortion infrastructure, but according to this definition, the intentional killing of a baby in the womb might just foot the bill. If a woman gets pregnant before she plans to and if she argues that she needs more time before she starts a family, then is her abortion infrastructure because it helps her future family? Democrats have used similar arguments to claim that the Hyde Amendment, which protects pro-life taxpayers from funding abortion, is racist. Of course, Biden wants to redefine infrastructure in order to justify directing massive sums to the climate industrial complex in the name of saving the earth from a predicted climate apocalypse that keeps failing to arrive on schedule. Climate alarmists first predicted global cooling, then global warming, now the vague threat of climate change. Biden has promised that America will face fewer natural disasters due to his presidency based on baseless claims that fossil fuels exacerbated recent fires, floods, and hurricanes. 
Democrats are working overtime to pass a massive to pass massive handout bills, first in the name of COVID-19 relief, now in the name of infrastructure. The American people should see through this charade. That's Tyler O'Neill over at PJ Media. And Tyler's right. And we do need to remember, they did this with COVID-19. They passed gigantic relief bills in the name of COVID-19 and tiny fractions of the money in the bill went actually to COVID-19. The rest was all payoff and payout and rewards to leftist causes and organizations and cities and states which helped the Democrats win the election. And they are doing the same thing now using the infrastructure bill as a way to fund their Green New Deal initiative. That's what this actually is. It's not about infrastructure. It's not about what you use to travel around the nation or what businesses use to transport goods and services around the nation. It's not about what our nation uses to transport troops and supplies and things like that around the nation. It's not about maintaining buildings, government buildings, or any kind of real infrastructure as we understand it in America. It's about funding a fraudulent claim that we are going to see a a crisis in our climate if we keep moving in the same direction. And I realize that there has been a lot published online and in the news media about, about a climate crisis. But, and, and they always quote the scientists, the IPCC. They quote the, um, the International Panel on uh, Climate Change. I believe that is what that stands for. <laughs> what they don't tell you is that that International Panel represents doesn't represent the majority of science thought in the world. It's just one with a fancy title that they throw around a lot in order to impress people who don't know what's really, really going on. Remember that 70, what was it, 79% of scientists agree? And they always use the word all. 79% of all scientists agree? Remember, that's a lie. That was 79% of scientists on the IPCC, which at the time, was it 70 or anyway, which at the time was less than 80 scientists. So this handful of scientists were politically motivated to agree to to statements which weren't actually scientifically sound. It's the Thursday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. I'm going to wrap up with a little something from uh, from over uh, at StoppingSocialism.com, an article written by Ben Shapiro. This week, on the basis of whole cloth lines, major corporations went to political war with the state of Georgia. The lies issue, the lies at issue, revolved around Georgia's new voter law, characterized by both Stacey Abrams and President Joe Biden as a new form of Jim Crow, 
What do these dastardly new voter restrictions do? They require an ID number to receive an absentee ballot with language identical to that of federal law. They bar electioneering within 150 feet of a polling place or 25 feet of voters in line, including handing out food or water for partisan purposes. They increase the number of mandatory days of weekend early voting. They preserve some drop boxes that did not exist before the pandemic. They require additional voting machines and election personnel in crowded precincts. They increase voting hours in future elections for the vast majority of counties. These provisions are similar to the laws in a vast majority of states. That didn't stop Democrats and the media from simply lying about the Georgia voting law. While some in the media did point out that Biden had lied about the law's supposed crackdown on voting hours, Nobody in the media treated his Jim Crow contentions with this sneering disrespect they so richly deserved. Instead, they simply parroted the line that Republicans were engaged in widespread voter suppression. Another lie. A lie far more unsubstantiated than Republican concerns about voter fraud and irregularity. But the media and Democrats went even further. They bullied corporations into taking positions on the Georgia election law. CBS News put out a headline that trafficked in simple activism. Quote, three ways companies can help fight Georgia's restrictive new voting law. End quote. And companies complied. Coca-Cola, in line with its new woke cola branding, a woke cola blend branding, issued a statement deploring an election law the corporation hadn't bothered to lobby against before its passage. Delta issued a statement, too, with CEO Ed, ba- Ed Bastian explaining, quote, I need to make it clear that the final bill is unacceptable and does not match Delta's values, end quote. Major League Baseball followed Biden's advice and pulled the All-Star game out of the state. So, what should conservatives do? Many conservatives, myself included, deplore the politics of boycotts. We're not interested in patronizing companies based on political differentiation alone. But if the left is going to hijack the most powerful institutions in America and then weaponize them against voters in red states, conservatives will be left with little choice but to exert counter-pressure. The only alternative is the formation of alternative companies in every industry. If Coca-Cola wishes to cater to the woke, conservatives will need to build a competitor. Conservatives don't have first-mover advantage in these spaces. But that doesn't alleviate the responsibility to find a different path than funding those who would cut them off at the knees. The left has politicized everything. The right has avoided that tactic because it's ugly and divisive. But it's too late to put the genie back in the bottle. It's time for mutually assured destruction. There's only one thing worse than having nuclear weapons. Unilateral disarmament. Better to establish mutually assured destruction now and put corporate America on notice that by stepping into the middle of a fraught political debate, it risks just as much blowback from the right as from the left. And that is the article by Ben Shapiro. And I think he's right. 
that we have to make as much noise as the left does. And that's what he's talking about. We have to bombard these corporations with our view and let them know, no, this is not what's really going on to actually tell them the truth and to let them know that if they actually are going to follow through with what they've said here, if they don't turn away from what they've said, then they can't count on our money anymore. You see, the bottom line is always the bottom line. We just need to make enough noise so that hopefully we won't actually have to follow through. And that is actually the hope that you don't have to follow through. Because there are alternatives. You know, when an airline says these don't ref- this doesn't reflect our values, then we can send them an email and say, well, that doesn't reflect mine, and I will not use you henceforth until you rescind what you have just done or said. So Delta issuing a statement saying that they need to make it, we need to make it clear that the final bill is unacceptable and doesn't match Delta's values, we can understand very clearly that this guy has not read the bill. He's just got some liberal weenies in his office telling him what the liberal line is on the bill. He needs to understand what's really going on, and he clearly doesn't. And he is clueless enough to make a public statement like that without actually knowing what he's talking about. And we should tell him, you know, I can't in good conscience use your airline if this is what you're going to be doing. So please, really study the situation, find out what's really going on, understand what's really happening instead of all of the, all of the political flack that's being thrown into the air. Get to the bottom of this and find out what's really going on. And then keep your nose out of politics and do business. Wise people behave this way. The same for Coca-Cola, the same for everybody else who's decided, the Major League Baseball. Let them know. You know what? This doesn't make me happy because you clearly don't understand what's really going on. You're just reacting to the flack. Let me tell you something. Until you actually dig into this and find out what's really going on and realize this is not the truth, then you can't count on me spending money with you. I really would like to, but if this is how you're going to treat me, then no. Gary Bauer posted something on social media that I think I need to pass along, and it relates to this. It says, There is a saying attributed to Vladimir Lenin that communism would ultimately prevail because stupid capitalists would sell the rope that the communists would use to hang them. When the Soviet Union fell, I thought Lenin was wrong. But Coca-Cola, Delta, and other Fortune 500 companies seem intent on proving Lenin right. Gary Bauer's right. Fortune 500 companies, Coca-Cola, Delta, are selling the communists the rope they need to hang this country. And they need to wise up and stop listening to their woke employees and do business. You see, wise people have always operated this way. Wise people in the business and entertainment world don't get into politics. From the stage, they don't get into it when they're making media appearances on the late-night talk shows. They don't get into politics when they are talking to the magazines or the, you know, any place that does publishing. 
for for any kind of publicity. They don't they don't go there. Wise wise ones, and you can look at them. The ones who are out there making political political statements, they're not the wise ones. They have some woke people in their little organizations, in their little tight circle, who have told them, hey, this will be good for your image. Do this. And nothing could be further from the truth. All it does is alienate half of your potential of your potential audience. Let's say you're a singer. You go on you go on some talk show and talk about Orange Man Bad, well, you've just alienated 70-odd million, 75 million people, for one. And when you step beyond those who actively voted to the actual population at large, you've probably alienated over 50% of them. Way to go. You've just torpedoed your record sales. Not smart. Wise people. Dolly Parton's a good example. Don't get into things like that. Wise people, people who used to appear on the late night shows and not talk about, not talk about politics unless it was a, the core of a joke and a comedian was on the stage. Those people knew what was going on. Those people understood. You don't alienate the people who make you money. You don't do it. So when a corporation like Coca-Cola or Delta or the MLB when they come out and they start getting political, they're just proving that they're not wise and that they don't really value you as a customer if you disagree with the statement they make. When they polarize their potential moneymakers, they alienate a percentage of them. And in this country, if you alienate Conservatives, you alienate really the majority. Oh, I know the left would have you believe that the conservatives aren't the majority today, but the left lies because it can't win on truth and facts. So please rest assured you are in the majority. And when Coca-Cola Delta, the MLB, and the Fortune 500 companies start playing politics, take note. Find other places to spend your money and let them know, hey, you know, I really do like Coke Classic, but water's free. And if you don't stop pushing this nonsense, I'll be drinking a lot more water and not your bottled water, by the way. Hey, that does it for today. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the Friday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.